you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. While I was relaxing into my, uh, into my bed, trying to get sleep last night, um, an observation crossed my mind. Why do people do one thing just once and then they never do it again? And this is something for me which pops up, you know, not just in people's personal lives, but you see it all of the time in business. Random things like doing a firewalk or a maze or a parachute jump or a half marathon or something like that. And most people who've tried these activities, they, they only ever really complete them once and then never go back to it. There's only a, a handful of like a tiny percentage of people who will go and do multiple parachute jumps or multiple half marathons and things like that. And this made me ponder the concept of trying new things versus mastery and what it takes to master something and the reasons why people choose not to move on to mastery with something. Um, And I I was chatting with this over my wife um, during my morning coffee among the chaos of kind of getting the kids ready for school and things like that. And she pointed out that there's something adventurous about the concept of you only live once. So try as many different experiences as you can. Um, obviously, if you're going into mastering something, which takes up a lot of time, energy and resources, you don't get the opportunity to then go out and experiment with lots of different things. And what I've discovered is that though, it just simply doesn't work in business if you're going out and doing lots of things. Um, uh, you know, and, and if, if you're doing, yo, if you're trying lots of different things, the only reason it does work out is because it's more of a happy accident than actually anything purposeful. I see too many business owners switching from, say, for example, like one course to the next course to the next course. And inevitably, the moment that they hit a challenge or a block, um, they just give up or they blame the course owner. And then they think that the next course is the thing which is going to create the ideal result or outcome. Mastery is achieved when you commit to a single course or, or in many cases, a course of action until you've achieved positive results. Maybe if you've failed multiple times and can actually then do the thing on autopilot because you've course corrected so many times. And like, don't get me wrong, if you try enough things out, then eventually one of those things is going to work with relatively lef- little effort. But And that's just basically down to the law of averages. And here I always use the examples of Angry Birds, for example, or Thomas Edison. You know, Rovio be- built 234 apps before they built Angry Birds, some with a modicum of success, but nothing like Angry Birds. And imagine if they'd just given up on app number 213. We'd have never seen the multi-billion dollar franchise of games, videos, and merchandise that we see today. Or Thomas Edison's 10,000 experiments that he, he did before he created the incandescent light bulb. Imagine if he got to 1,113 experiments and thought to himself, nah, this is a bit too hard. It's not for me. Um, and this, uh, the concept of being three feet from gold, um, which is something which is spoken at length about in Sharon Lecter's book, um, which is this, this, the same name, Three Feet from Gold, um, and also builds on what Napoleon Hill talks about in Think and Grow Rich. Um, both both of those books cite Edison's efforts on creating the light bulb. Like he just had this one goal, this one purpose that he was put on this planet to do and didn't stop until he'd done it. 
And even like there's certain things in Think and Grow Rich, which I don't necessarily agree with. Um, but it was, um, you know, Napoleon Hill, where Think and Grow Rich came from, Napoleon Hill was challenged by Carnegie years and years ago to go out and interview 250 of the greatest minds and the most successful people in the US, um, you know, and then write up a summary of it, which ultimately became Think and Grow Rich. And even interviewing 250 people is um, like, that's mastery. It, t- it takes mastery and dedication to be able to achieve something like that. Going back to the concept of the parachute jump, the maze, the half marathons, those who have only done it once will never have experienced the joy and accomplishment that you can achieve from doing something even better the second time around that you do it. So imagine like the second time you go out and do a parachute jump, you try out a few somersaults and you do a Superman pose and a couple of flips whilst you're in your, your free fall, something which you like undoubtedly wouldn't have done in the first jump. Um, because all you're thinking is all I want to do is get back to the ground, you know, or imagine if you're going around a maze um, and you have all the trials and tribulations going down dead ends the first time around, but this time, the second time you do it, from memory, you get round without going down a single dead end. You know, that again, that's something which you would rarely achieve on the first attempt unless it was by luck. You know, maybe on a, me- a, 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 a half marathon, beating your, your time the second time around that you do it by like 10 or 15 minutes, massive achievements. You know, and I, I've done, I've done things like firewalks in the past. You know, it's just a couple of hours of getting into state. I'm doing bunny ears here, walking across a path of hot coals, which takes about ten seconds. And I, for me, like it, it's it was enjoyable. Like, don't get me wrong, it was fun, but it was hardly a test, a real test of an individual strength and courage, or a real test of faith. Um, and I don't know, perhaps it's just not quite as exciting, you know, the, as the first time around. But I don't think that mastery in business is designed to be exciting. I don't think mastery in general is designed to be exciting. It, mastery is about countless attempts, hours of dull and repetitive practice, multiple failures and heartbreak, injuries, comebacks, starting over again. The amount of times we see business owners who have made it, you know, and lost it all several times over before they really create the success which they wanted. And those who do things just the once, it's, I think it's just more of a box ticking exercise. Get to the end of doing the thing to cross it off the list and move on to the next challenge. And when you break it down, I feel that this defeats the entire object of YOLO. How can you really get enjoyment, fulfillment out of just ticking boxes? And for me, I, I get a massive amount of an enormous sense of achievement on mastering something. Um, for me, it's a process of, in, uh, sorry, for me, it's about enjoying the process of endure, enduring hours of dull and repetitive tasks over and over again and making these small marginal gains and, and, and creating improvement each and every time you have a go at it. Even down to how I approach building my profile as a business owner, for example. So this is where we move into, say, for example, marketing. Another coach once said to me, Robin, I I think I'm a really good coach, as good a coach as you are, but I don't understand why you are so much more successful than me. Um, And this person was a business coach themselves, and I'd, I'd known them for a little while. I knew their volume of activity. And I also knew that in them asking me this one question, the way they positioned it, I think I'm as good as coach as you are. I knew that I could help them, but I wasn't sure now if I wanted to work with them. Just checking in. It was just a little bit of ego and arrogance in the way that they asked it. Maybe there's a little bit of ego and arrogance in the way that I'm answering this now. But but I basically asked them one simple question. I said, well, how many consultations did you run last week? And, And this is the point where their answer to me wasn't surprising. And they said, oh, four, four, maybe five. 
and they hesitated for a little while. And I said, oh, cool, four or five in a week. That's not bad. That's not terrible. And they said, no, 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 four or five maybe in the last month, uh, last 12 months. And then they said, well, how many have you done? And I said, in the last 12 months, I've done 150. And this is how I enrolled 40 plus clients. This is in my first year of coaching. Bearing in mind, I had run businesses for 12 years before that. So I wasn't inexperienced, but I was new to the coaching space. I'd done 125 consultations. I'd enrolled 40 clients and made close to six figures in my first year as a business coach. And you can be the best coach in the world, but if you don't have, don't know how to market and sell, you're basically screwed. But the thing is, like marketing and sales in any business requires dedication, dedication to the course, going through and doing sales calls and push, putting out content all the time and things like that, but also dedication to mastering the craft of sales and marketing. You can't just rely as a business owner on the thing which you do. The product, the product or service which you sell, that isn't going to sell itself. So you have to become a master of it. And they asked me how I managed to get 125 plus, you know, 150 consultations booked in that first year. So I gave them my entire framework for booking clients, right? So within 12 months, I'd written a book. I got 200 plus reviews for that book. I delivered 50 plus talks, uh, pretty much one a week um, throughout that, that entire year. And I didn't care whether it's to three people or 300 people. I just took any talk I could possibly do, traveled all over the country delivering those talks. I, I proactively asked people referrals and mastered the art of um, getting people on side so that they would proactively go out and refer for me. I guested on 30 plus podcasts. I recorded 100 videos for my YouTube channel. I put on 12 networking events um, in my local area. Um, we had 50 plus people along to each one of those. I ran several free boardroom sessions um, and invited you know 10 plus um, business owners along to each one of those. I created four seminars, marketing seminars, and I delivered those to whoever would turn up. And typically we would have 100 plus people. And I chose amazing like venues like the Concord Museum down in Bristol. And all of these things make me stand out. But that was me dedicating myself to mastering the art of getting clients for a coaching practice. And I did all of this with absolutely no expectations about getting any sales. And I enjoyed the process so much. I still do it. And I would go back any day of the week and go through exactly that same process. And it certainly wasn't easy. And what I wanted to do was just master the process of raising my profile. And this is something which Dan Priestley talks about in his book, Key Person of Influence. Uh, it's a really fantastic book. Um, profile is just one of the five Ps within it. Everyone I spoke to, I offered a consultation to. And sometimes these were 25 plus miles away. They took me two hours to, uh, to deliver the, the things as well as the traveling, like the round trip to deliver those. Um, sometimes I'd even be spending 40 hours plus, you know, a, a month driving, 40 hours a month just on consultation. So I was absolutely exhausted, but people trusted in me. And as a result of me, they could see my efforts in terms of trying to master what I was doing. And so they trusted in my process and invested in my coaching as a result of that. And there was something interesting as well, which this person um, uh, said, and not directly to me, I picked up some of this from their, their social posts and conversations, which I overheard and things like that. Um, this person also said things along the lines of, oh, my clients have to drive to me. If they can't be bothered, neither, neither can I. I don't have time to write a book. I hate being in front of the camera. People won't bother leaving reviews. Who looks at them anyway? I tried to get booked for speaking, but all the events were too small. I want conferences to speak at. People should be paying to attend my workshops. I'm worth more than doing this stuff for free. And I was like, if everything is going to be easy, and it, like it's, it's a bit like... Um, 
a boxing trainer, boxing coach. Imagine if every time you got into the ring during a training exercise, um, a training session, that that coach just came up and gave you a hug. And then the first time you get in the ring for a fight, somebody goes and punches you in the face. It's going to come as a bit of a shock. So if when you've got this coach who isn't willing to go the extra mile and, and master their craft, and pr- it's called a coaching practice for a reason, all of a sudden you can re- you can see why this process of mastery in business is so important because it hardens you up, it toughens you up, and you can start to get better in terms of the judgment uh, and your intuition around making decisions and knowing what you have to do in order to create results for yourself. You know, a great deal of this is actually about being humble. It's about being generous. And it's certainly about knowing your worth. That doesn't necessarily mean charging for stuff, but it's about making sure that knowing when to ask for the sale as opposed to ask for money, if that makes sense. And more more importantly, it's about taking the time to master the process of being in business um, and not just not just running a business, not just owning a business, but the process of being in a business. So if, you, if you're finding yourself hopping from one thing to the next with no real sense of direction and you're taking this YOLO approach, you only live once approach to life, and you're relying purely on luck that something somehow is miraculously going to work out for you, you know, and what I'm talking about here is if the podcast coach tells you that a podcast is going to be good for your business, you do seven do seven episodes and then basically give up and tell yourself that podcasts don't work for you. Well, actually, you're doing it wrong. And I can vouch for this because I was on episode 63 of the Fearless Business Podcast that you're listening to today, and I hadn't had much traction from it. It was a bit of a clunky process. I was basically close to giving it up. And then out of the blue, in one week, I got a call from Microsoft and then a, a, and also a second call from an international pharmaceutical company, both wanting me to deliver keynote talks at their uh, annual conferences, which they run for divisions in their businesses. Those two calls alone netted me close to £9,000 in speaker fees, okay? But it wasn't until I hit episode 63 when I started to master the process of building and creating something like an asset, like a podcast. And we improved the process and we made it better. And since we've we've improved the strategy and the model around how we podcast, we've gone over 100 episodes now. And we create much better engagement with our audience to the point where we're successfully enrolling clients from it. But we had to go through, we had to get beyond seven episodes. We had to get beyond 63 episodes. We had to master the craft of delivering like podcast delivery, basically. In, in other term, in other ways, you know, like it's about putting, you know, who's it? Malcolm Gladwell talked about the 10,000 hour rules. You know, you have to put in those 10,000 hours irrespective of the results you're getting. Because if you're expecting great results all of the time, I think you're probably slightly deluded. Um, and essentially the 10,000 hours that you're putting in now, which maybe feels like it's not working, you're not making sales, you're not making the money that you want, you haven't quite created the life that you want. It's not about now. That 10,000 hours is about an investment for the future. And that's why you have to start enjoying that process. You have to invest in those 10,000 hours. Now, it's not putting stuff off. There will be some wins along the way and you'll get to enjoy those. And so there are some positives which come out of it. Um, This isn't about just kind of like, you know, putting yourself through hell now. You've still got to enjoy those things that you're doing. That's if, if you listen to what I'm saying. You know, a content marketer will tell you that you need to start writing blog articles. You know, it's good for SEO, but you do seven articles and then you give up because blogging doesn't work for you. But, you know, it's got to a point whereby we had, we've now written 700 plus articles on my website on robinwaite.com. 
and, and it wasn't, it felt like just, just, just a lot of effort, but what's going wrong here? So we hired an SEO expert to look at the site and it transpires. There was just a couple of things missing from the optimization side of it. So all of this content, it wasn't done unnecessarily. And once we'd fixed the SEO issues, all of a sudden the traffic doubled within 30 days, which was quite remarkable. You know, and now we can actually shift from uh, worrying less about traffic and more so into engagement and getting people to move through the next step in the process. You know, market, mastery is like, you know, just trying one thing in an area of your business will undoubtedly fail. If you try one thing once, it's undoubtedly going to fail. If you try multiple things concurrently on one area of your business, it means that you will eventually win. If you're doubling down in your podcast, doubling down your blog, doubling down on events, doubling down on you know, whatever it is, layering of these things creates this compounding effect, which eventually or over time gives you the slight edge. Um, you know, I wrote one book. It was an international bestseller for the best part of three years. And despite doing well with sales, it wasn't aimed at my ideal client. So it, it didn't necessarily get me the sales I want, but I enjoyed the process of writing a book. But writing a book is also really bloody hard work. And um, uh, there was this part of me which felt like I hadn't fulfilled my potential with the first book. So it's inevitable that I needed to write another book. I've since gone on to write six books in total. Um, and I'm writing my seventh. But... Um, there's this desire, innate desire in me to, you know, fulfill this um, potential and through mastering the process of, of like continually developing my, my ability to um, produce high quality content. Most people write one book and then they just give up. They move on to something else. Um, you know, and I, I, again, I look at that and I'm like, God, if, if it was just too much, like a little bit too much like hard work, is that not a little bit selfish that then you just give up? Because now all of these ideas that that person's got, they're just, they're not going to come out to the masses um, because all they did was tick a box to say, oh, I've written a book, now I'll move on and do something else. And I think, you know, books can be incredibly powerful, um, not just as a marketing asset, but also as a tool for learning about yourself. You know, I, that, and again, a lot of this, what I'm saying here kind of is just my thoughts. You know, this this is me just doing a bit of a, a diatribe on what I feel creates mastery within a business. When I speak at an event, you know, I treat it like it's the first time I've, I'm speaking at that event. And what that does is it keeps me honest. Um, and I remember, again, you know, you do one talk and you absolutely smash it. Great. But what have you really learned from that? Um, I, I became a bit complacent and a couple of years ago, I got invited to speak to a, um, a, a, a large conference for accountants. And what I didn't do was I got complacent and I didn't research my audience properly. And, it, and I, I ended up tripping myself up. Um, and simply put, it's because I didn't know the difference between an accountant and a chartered management accountant. And this was really quite important, apparently, because obviously several people came up and uh, reminded me of the fact of that. I think mastery means you have to go out looking for mistakes. You have to go out and be prepared to make these mistakes and look a bit stupid from time to time to hone your craft, uh, master your craft. And like, how else do you learn otherwise? Um, with my with my coaching, I don't just use one coaching technique, for example, because I could use one coaching technique because it's really easy and um, and we can apply try and apply it to as many different you know scenarios as possible, and I can avoid other scenarios where that coaching technique won't work. However, I've 
I've taken the time to master the art of coaching and learn several different methodologies and practice them like frequently. Um, hence, again, hence the reason why it's called a coaching practice. And what this means is, is getting quite uncomfortable, constantly honing my craft and learning which technique to use at the appropriate time when a specific challenge or blockage arises with a client involves an awful lot of time, energy and effort and trust as well, like faith and trust in the process. So understanding that there are multiple solutions to tackle a single problem or challenge and learning and mastering those different solutions takes time, effort and investment. And it also means this is how you generate the best results for your clients. And obviously, you all have heard me do a rant on this podcast, I'm sure before, but hey, I love getting on my soapbox. My pet hate is marketing. Uh, not marketing not marketing itself, obviously, because uh, marketing is an integral part of business, like don't get me wrong. But this might be co slightly controversial, what I'm going to say, and potentially piss off anyone who runs a marketing business especially, but so sorry. I'm always happy to be challenged on my thoughts and um, what I'm saying. But you've got all of these gurus and experts peddling their shiny objects, telling you that they're thing is the one thing that will transform your fortunes and basically it's all bullshit um but then also it's it's not bullshit in a way and i'll ex i'll explain why so basically you know it what the what these experts marketing experts are selling you works for them and they've put their ten thousand hours in and they make it look super easy but then when it comes to and, and what they do is they'll then, you know, it works for some of their clients and, um, you know, what the, their, their most successful clients will choose to double down on that one thing and master it as well as the expert who's mastered it. Um, but where the, where this silver bullets, all of these silver bullets and, you know, um, you know f fail to do their job properly is when you as the business owner expect some kind of a quick or instant results with very little input on your part, i.e. basically you just abdicate, abdicate sorry, responsibility to those gurus and experts. And you basically choose not to master that shiny object that you're being sold because it's easier just to abdicate it entirely to somebody else. And then, like for me, um, yeah, and not many people do this. I, I believe that you need to know enough. So if you're going to hire a web designer, you've got to know enough about what you want about your website in order to be able to abdicate that, like delegate that responsibility to somebody else, for example. Or you've got to know enough about LinkedIn in the first place to be able to understand whether that guru or expert is going to do a good job and how they can help you what and how they can help you get better results. But you have to put something into that process as well um, as the, the person buying that shiny object. Mastery is, is basically for me, and this is this is kind of my summary, I guess, for this episode. Mastery is all about taking responsibility and then doubling down on that process to create the outcome, which is mastery. Only then are you going to have a slight edge over your competition when you've chosen to double down on something and take responsibility for it and master it. Only then will you start earning the money that you feel you're worth. And only then will you achieve like ultimate mastery in your field. And we look at people out there who've been, who've been doing what you've been doing for many years. Um, and it kind of to all intents and purposes, looks a little bit like an overnight success. When the reality is, they probably have been doing this for many years. They've been, they've failed lots. They've been through all the troubles and strife of running a business, doing the thing which you want to do. Um, and you, all you get to see is the highlight reel, the success reel of 
um, uh, that's on social media and things like that, it's very easy to forget about the 10 or 20 plus years that they've put into honing their craft and becoming a master at what they do. Many of the people who are crushing it out there, um, or sorry, I would say very few of the people that you see who are crushing it out there have um, just lucked out and found a shiny object or a silver bullet that has worked for them, like 0.01% of it, like a fraction of a percentage of people. A majority of the people you see have spent years mastering their craft, but they they don't necessarily document that process and you don't see it. So there we go. Uh, that's just one of my little monologues talking about how to, um, how to um, achieve mastery in your business. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Fearless Business. No, that's a bit cheesy, isn't it? Uh, no, but in all seriousness, if you want to know a little bit more about um, what we get up to at Fearless Business, we help coaches, consultants, and freelancers to master their business uh, by productizing their service, escaping the time for money trap, and um, learning how to articulate their value. And when you learn how to articulate your value by telling compelling case studies and testimonials and reviews and stories about your clients um, and the journey which you went on with those clients, I would say that that demonstrates that you have mastered your craft and you're doing a great job within your business. But sometimes people still need a little bit of help with that. So if you want to know more about it, we've got tons of free resources on fearless.biz. Hit the resources tab and you go onto that uh, websites. And also, if you want a free copy of Take Your Shot, you can go to fearless.biz forward slash TYS, and I will send you a personalized signed copy of the book uh, with a couple of little things, extra gifts included within the pack as well. Uh, thanks very much for listening. My name's Robin Waite, founder of Fearless Business, and I'll catch up with you for the next episode. Mm-hmm.